Hey, BBK family, what's up? It's your girl, Judea, CEO and founder of the Black and Brown Connection. On today's episode, we have Wilson. He's a graduate from Rochester Institute of Technology. He got his BS in electrical engineering technology. He's a motivational speaker, a founder of two organizations, and a member of Alpha Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. So how are you doing today, Wilson? Doing good, blessed, and highly favored. You know, happy to be here. That's good. How was your year going by for you so far? Uh, life comes at you fast, right? So it's, it's looked like mm-hmm. that so far. I think a, a lot of great opportunities that have opened up. You know, you mentioned the, the two organizations or businesses that I started, uh, one of them being Charlie Cards. Uh, we did a launch for the business or a soft launch this past fall. It was very uh, successful, you know, got a lot of good insights from mm-hmm. it. And the, uh, the startup space is... Uh, it's a lot, right? It's, it's a lot. You know? yes. So it's been a, an amazing journey so far, a lot of things to learn, and really excited to build that up. And then for my career, uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, about six months into a new role. So I started okay. my career as a power systems engineer. And now I work as a senior sales engineer. So more on the, you know, communicating with customers, uh, getting them to buy the uh, engineering equipment and services that I did before. So uh, again, okay. a lot to learn, a lot of big changes yes. uh, in a one year period. So it's been exciting. Yes. And like having two businesses and, you know, everybody's just talking about, okay, quarter one is done and quarter one is, um, and quarter two is beginning. Mm. How is that like just planning for quarter two, mm. knowing that you have like two businesses to do it for and not just one. Yeah. So first and foremost, I would say uh, people need to be um, mindful of how they approach, let's call it LLC Twitter, right? Where usually there's this <laughs> yeah. expectation that is, I'm grinding, I'm sleeping, you know, half an hour a month, right? It's just always work, work, work. And that's my passion. And I'm not doing anything until I'm a millionaire. Right. And mm. I think that the experience the past six months or, you know, really the last calendar year has really emphasized, hey, balance is critical. Right. You have a lot of great ambitions that you want to do with your businesses or whatever initiatives you're engaged in. And in my case, be that with my two businesses and my you know, full time role. I need to be successful in all of this. Right. So making sure mm. that I find the right time management strategies to get that stuff done appropriately, where for any customer that I'm working with in any of those three ventures, I never sell them short, but then also have time to, you know, to be a person, right? Whether that's finding time for rest, being able to read, take naps. I love naps. They're really exciting. Right. (laughs) Um, Or even just other stuff, you know, connecting with people or finding time with family relationships all that stuff. So uh, I guess just to to keep a, a long story long, you know, it's, it's very mm-hmm. important that you just find the right balance in what you're trying to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Balance is key. You know, 
um, I think as we get older, we're really understanding balance and not just like, okay, you know, hour here, hour here, but a, a true like full life balance from the moment you wake up to the time you sleep mm. to incorporate in everything that you want to do in life. Because I don't know, from my experience, you know, my, um, from my family, like being a first gen, they're like, just work hard now. And then <laughs> you work hard. And then when you're 40 years old yeah. or 50 years old, then you can have life and you can have fun and then you can, have, then you can travel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to waste like, you know, this 40 years of my life just working hard. And then, mm -hmm. I mean, by the time I like get off, I'm like so tired. I just want to rest. I don't want to actually enjoy going outside. Yeah. So. And, and I'm very thankful for, you know, our parents' generation, the work that they put in and all that type of stuff. Um, the They had a very strong conviction to the idea of you know, mm -hmm. effort and work and like kind of earning your daily bread. All of that is amazing. Yeah. Right. I think with newer generations, especially, you know, because with that parent culture, especially in black Afro-Caribbean houses and all that, that's always been the standard. Work hard and you'll go far in life. And I think after this is what now the second recession that we're looking at, a global pandemic, three wars, a lot of the newer generations is like, listen, <laughs> I need a chip, right? We, we, we've seen a lot, yes. right? So I, I think it's it's really amazing to see people prioritize self-care. And I don't mean that just in the sense of like luxury, even, mm. uh, whether it comes to mindfulness, right? Whether it comes to therapy, uh, you know, having a better understanding of the relationships that you have with others, the appropriate relationship to have with your work life and what work life balance looks like, right? Where I think a challenge that many people get into is they have these high ambitions where they mm -hmm. want to change the world by 25, right? Yeah. Where it's like, if I don't own 12 businesses by 25, I failed in life. If I'm not the CEO mm -hmm. of Google by 25, I didn't do nothing, right? And yeah. it's like, you got to ask yourself, you know, are you even making space for you to have a happy life in that, right? Are you mm -hmm. prioritizing a realistic path to whatever goal, you know, not knocking the goal, but do you have to do this by 25 or 30 or whatever age that you want to attach? Or are you comparing your life with what you see on LinkedIn, right? You might yeah. see several accomplishments from other people but you don't necessarily see the story that got them there. Or yeah. you might not even be, uh, you know, paying attention to the story that got you where you are. So you see, oh, this person just, you know, they just landed on Mars. What am I doing, right? <laughs> and it's like, beloved, you did a lot, right? Take a break. It's okay yeah. to take a break. You know, I, I think uh, many generations, even older generations, that's such a a tough pill to swallow sometimes, but very necessary, right? You know, how are you making time to actually just appreciate life for what it is? You know, go on a hike. I encourage all black people, go on a hike, see nature. It looks amazing. Right? Yes. So it's, yeah. it's been, um, it's been an interesting experience tapping into that in the past few years. Yeah, no. When you say go on a hike, I'm, I'll, I want to go on a hike so bad. I think I've probably been on one hike, but I'm like, that wasn't enough for me. I need to go, go definitely go on another mm -hmm. one. But did you always have this mindset or was there a time in your life where 
you had to like shift perspective on your life and you know what you wanted to accomplish and how you wanted to go about doing things i think that as i progressed in life uh, i've had kind of a dynamic shift several times in my journey so you know i mentioned earlier uh, my parents are Ghanaian and Togolese, you know, West African. So the idea of work hard, top priority. Go to school, top mm -hmm. priority, right? There wasn't a scenario where I even considered not going to college, right? You know, both my, I'm first-generation college student, but my parents immigrated to the U.S. and they prioritized the idea of, you know, success uh, is found through education or, you know, that'll be the way to achievement. Right. And I was raised on that. That got me through, you know, uh, elementary or kindergarten to high school, which was very critical. But as I was now graduating from high school, you know, throw the caps in the air. Uh, that's usually the end of the movie. Right. Then you see like yes. fades to black and white and you get the oh, so and so became a dentist. So and so became a car salesman, like all of those kind of moments from Remember the Titans. But you know, the movie doesn't do that. It just, it keeps moving, right? So now yeah. I'm entering um, uncharted territory, going into college, you know, and I didn't necessarily have a ton of exposure from people that, you know, had college degrees and stuff like that, again, being first generation. So it was a really tough space to navigate, especially in the beginning. And I've always tried to prioritize at different points of my life, um, paying attention, right? What am I missing? Is there lessons that could be learned from this? Uh, even from a young age, that was a priority. Uh, how well I did it at a young age is a different story, but you know, the effort at least was there, right? Uh, and once, you know, I actually put some thought to that stuff, you know, throughout my life, I would say there was certain, um, let's, let's call it pivot points where mm -hmm. something clicked. Right, whether that's on the other side of a deep hill that I've arrived to, let's say with like academics, there was points where I had challenges academically, and it wasn't until I was at the bottom of the trench where it's like, well, you know, there's not really that much further to go, so let me put some thoughts to why I'm here, right? Mm -hmm. Or if it was financial challenges or whatever else, uh, I would take time to either get insight from mentors, uh, connecting with my peers, uh, you know, other relationships, whoever else, to get an understanding of, again, are there perspectives that I'm not aware of? You know, everybody's familiar with the term like blind spots when it comes to driving, right? And, you know, I think it's important to ask yourself, uh, what blind spots do I have? Not to say that you, you know, master your vision and just be aware of these things, but even just being aware that you have the blind spot can make such a difference. So I think in, you know, giving that approach through most of my life, uh, you know, and a lot of, a lot of failures throughout, uh, I was ultimately yeah. able to fail forward, I would say, and then kind of arrive to the space that I find myself at now, which, you know, it's a pretty cool space. I enjoy it. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it is a pretty cool space, too, because, you know, before when we when we was like talking, you know, before we came on, you know, you was telling me about your life and, you know, how you got here and, you know, the strategies that you were looking at and about mentorships and being on having mentees. 
um, how did having mentorships play a big role in your life? So therefore it was like when you was failing, you was really feeling forward and not just like failing at all. I'm just like feeling period. Yeah. So it was, it was game changing. You know, I think mentorship is very often an underutilized um, attribute that could really save people's lives, let alone make it better. And, you know, I think that comes from, and it's something we spoke about earlier, many people have like this superhero complex where they're supposed to figure it out. They're supposed to come up with the plan. They're supposed to do all the work, all the ideation, and then they're able to say that they're self-made, right? You know, that's a very popular <laughs> phrase on the internet, right? I'm self-made, yep. live by myself, more power to you, God bless, right? But in the reality, when you look at kind of the greater accomplishments just in history, doesn't really seem to exist anyone that was actually self yeah right there were mentors in the background even if it's not people that you saw publicly that were having a huge impact on others and i think in my experience that was a huge attribute my entire life right whether that started with mentorship mm -hmm. in the house with my parents the different lessons that they imbued on me and my siblings and even just the idea of who we're supposed to be as people Right. You know, I always say that yeah. I didn't necessarily learn the concept of leadership outside of my house. Like I met it first at home. Like my dad was the president of the Ghanaian Minister Ministers Association. And, you know, even just seeing and going to, to events with them for that was huge. Right. It's just I'm used to seeing mm -hmm. him in a leadership position. So the idea of leadership wasn't foreign to me. All right. So throughout my life, be that in high school, I was student body president. Uh, in undergrad, I served several different roles of president or whatever else, committees and stuff. You know, much of that was shaped by that initial, you know, nurturing at home, as well as, you know, all of those contributions throughout my life from other people that served as whether it's like a very explicit mentorship or mm -hmm. it's even someone that just had some advice to give that one weekend, right? Uh, I think I make, yeah. had to make the effort of not getting in my own way of a lesson that could be learned. You know, I definitely got in my way <laughs> a couple times, but um, yeah, I, I like to think it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Getting our, getting in our own way is it's you know it's easier than we think it is like just like what just with like in our mental imposter syndrome mm -hmm. like these new like terminologies we're using to you know articulate what we're actually going through in life um so in college what made you want to be an engineering major and also be like i'm still going to be in leadership roles as well yeah. because from our past interviews we've heard about being an engineering major that it's no joke. Mm -hmm. It's it's real life. But you took it a step further, and as you just told us, you was in leadership position. Leadership position. So how did that all like play out for you? You want to hear the real? So I'm gonna tell you. I want to hear the real. So in high school, uh, one time, like I had a laptop uh, from this uh, college prep program. It was called the Gear Up program, and I had a laptop from it, and the RAM was kind of low. Right, so that's like the memory on it. So mm -hmm. I Googled how to replace the RAM or how to like improve it. I literally unscrewed the back, pushed a chip in, re 
you know, re-screwed the back, back end. Right? That's it. I think I could be a computer engineer. You know, that, that, that's my understanding of what computer engineering is. Mm-hmm. It is not that whatsoever, right? But with that in mind, you know, there's this common trope for Africans, especially African first generations, uh, first generation students, where you have three degrees that you have a choice to get. You either can become a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer, right? And wasn't a fan of being a doctor, wasn't trying to deal in blood all day. Uh, Law is, you know, equally bloody. So I think I was good on that. So, you know, I was good at math and science. And again, I changed the RAM on that laptop one time. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be an engineer. It's gonna be game changing, right? So that was the, uh, the origin story, nothing glamorous. You know, I just thought it could work out. You know, I didn't have any exposure to what engineering looked like in depth. It's just, this is what it seems like it could be. And then when I first came to RIT uh, and took engineering classes, it was like, whoa, what's this? <laughs> right? This, is, this, was, this was way different than my, my high school experience, right? You know, and I graduated salutatorian, thankfully. But even then, you know, coming up in public school, not having access to certain resources and stuff like that. And the staff, you know, very often being just spread very thin, you know, so it's a challenge for even them to to give the best support. You know, when I came to college, I was very clueless of the minor details of how to be successful, not even in just engineering, but just college in general. And then I'm coming into some of these engineering classes where, you know, a huge portion of the students, they were in tri- you know, math uh, triathlons and this and that. They were on the robotics team in school. You know, they, they studied, they took like a Python class, which is a coding language. They took like Python classes in high school. And it's like, that's a, that's a thing. You know, even you know, I'm, I'm going to date myself with this. But when I was first, you know, considering college and they had on the, the application is like, do you have any engineering experience or do you know any languages? And, you know, at the time, MySpace was a thing and you used to have to copy and paste the HTML code on there to change your profile back. So I'm like, oh, well, I've copy and pasted that before. So, yeah, I have coding experience. Uh, that was not coding experience at all. Right. So even just that kind of stuff, you know, I would say um, initially it was a major challenge getting adjusted into to engineering space as well as with college. Yeah. And then um, I like one thing you said was you had to like learn how to be successful in college. Like what did you do to like just, I guess, not even just shift your perspective, but just be successful in college mm-hmm. to be like where you're at right now. Oh, definitely. So I guess to give some context first, you know, I, I mentioned kind of the challenges of when I first got there and that kind of progressed well into at least the halfway point of when I was in school. And it wasn't until I had to, you know, put thought into relearning how to learn. Right. For many people in public school or with that kind of upbringing, for the most part, if you show up, you know, you do the right studying, you put the effort in, you'll get solid grades. Right. Whereas in college and in particular this program, the idea that you need to be able to, you know, think critically about the work that you're doing 
It's much more project-based. It's much more analytical compared to just kind of plug and chug. And again, these are concepts that at this point I've never seen before. So what I mm -hmm. had to disrupt, I kind of see it from two lenses. One side of it being from a strategy standpoint, I had to improve the strategy I was using to retain information, right? Where just because it didn't click uh, in the classroom doesn't mean that I'm supposed to limit myself to that channel for learning. You know, if that means that I have to study some extra time, if that means that I have to put some thought into how I study even, right? Where some people are more hands-on, mm -hmm. some people are, you know, more practical. They need, need to hear somebody explain it. Some people like myself, uh, I would have to explain it to others for it to fully register, right? And I would have to translate it, even in some cases out of engineering into some other concept where it made sense or it's something I'm more familiar with and then kind of bring it back into engineering. So even as an example, I'll give you a quick engineering uh, lesson here, right? Uh, have you ever okay. seen like a crazy straw? So like a straw that like wraps like around. The, the... Yeah, like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the little zigzags and stuff. So there's a concept in engineering or electrical engineering called inductance, where if you have like, uh, you know, a current of electricity that goes through a wire, depending on mm -hmm. the type of wire, if you wrap it around a bunch of times like that, then, you know, the current becomes limited because it takes a minute for it to arrive to the other side, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's it. That's inductance. I mean, there's, you know, more rocket science to it. Yeah. That's the basic of it. And that's oh, not wow. what was on the textbook at all, <laughs> right? It's talking about valence electrons and coulombs and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. But once mm -hmm. I was able to read it in a language I understood, which was, you know, here's the general idea. So here's a crazy straw. Here's how it works, right? And then from there, transfer it back to whatever complicated concepts. So, you know, that's okay. an example from a strategy session where I was able to get mm -hmm. more efficient with my understanding of stuff, right? And then the second component that I want to mention, and is something that I had to learn, was the mindset component, right? Where, and it's something we had discussed earlier, but I had challenges, especially in the beginning of college with imposter syndrome of, you know, like I said, coming into this private institution where all, you know, several of the students there had tutors their whole lives or did robotics teams and all this other stuff for years. And I'm coming in with, you know, uh, I barely understand some of the introductory material. You know, you almost feel like you don't belong there. Right? You're out of place and, you know, you're, you're, you, you stole your way in, you snuck your way in, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, that that's usually a very big challenge for so many people that it shows up in whether it's your effort, whether it's your confidence in the way that you speak, in the way that you engage with other people, and, you know, in one place in particular, in the way that you'll ask for help, right? A lot of people feel like they're supposed to have it figured out. So if they don't understand it, it's their job to just suffer in silence and not embarrass themselves, quote unquote. And, yeah. and it's like, beloved, no. <laughs> Embarrass if that's what embarrassing yourself looks like, do that, right? Where you have to understand that it's not, it's not a shortage 
or a deficiency in you inherently that, oh, you're just not capable. It's, no, you just don't have the immediate resources to get the result you're looking for. So either find those resources or find a way to have an alternative to that. And in my case, you know, that was kind of the study strategies I did outside of class or certain study groups that I got. And what I found is that that mindset aspect, game changing. You know, the strategy is critical, but that that even just believing that you can't, right? I'm a huge fan of Muhammad Ali, and he always spoke about, he called himself, himself champ before he ever became one and then lived up to the title, right? And for so many of us, yeah. I think that that's something that could be so valuable to us. Not in the sense that you're, you know, don't front to other people or just kind of, you know, blow smoke, but tell yourself with affirmations, you know, I am blank, right? I am capable. I am worthy. I am valuable. I have an impact and will have an impact, right? And then just kind of yeah. communicating this stuff to yourself. Uh, if you speak life into yourself and you show up different in class, you hear differently. It sounds bizarre, but even just the words that you hear from others, they sound different when you are sure of yourself, when you're confident that, hey, even if I stumble here or there, I'm going to get to the destination I'm going to. And what I've actually found is that mindset is actually very infectious. Right. Whereas like if you mm -hmm. if you move on that type of time, especially with a certain conviction, after a while, people start to, you know what, you, you might know what you're talking about. How can I support? You? <laughs> right. How can I how can I help you move to the next step? Right. I'm not going to get you exactly to the destination, but is there some value I can add versus the person that has already committed to the idea that they won't succeed or that they can't advance? And people believe them. So I was oh, well, you know, wishing you the best, you know, I'm sure you'll figure it out, but, you know, take care. You know, so I, I found that that those two components, one being kind of the strategy or improving your strategy, and secondly, mm -hmm. having the appropriate mindset to these things is a game changer. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Honestly, I'm going to keep it honest with you. You know, you got a motivational speaker on your Instagram. You, you're a motivational speaker. Mm -hmm. In this moment, I was really drawn in like, wow, like, I think I'm about to be at like a seminar or something because you was just like, <laughs> I guess the way you articulate yourself, I was like, wow, I'm really in a mo motivational like session. Like, mm -hmm. this is a motivational speaker to me. And we just here just having like a, a nice little chill interview, mm -hmm. you know, so you do you do good at what you do because you. i was sitting here like wow like okay judea like at one point i was like wow like get back to the questions like i have to think because mm. i was just about to like draw like super deep mm. in well, cause, like, cause this is yeah. the thing right i think that what my value out of impact in the world is you know i don't think i introduce mm -hmm. necessarily anything new into people right i remind them of who they are you know, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror, right? I think that we were born with everything that we need in life to be successful. Like all of the ingredients are there. Uh, the disconnect though, is that as we get older, as we get exposed to different situations in life, those things might encourage us or influence us to think differently than that, right? When you look at how like babies move, absolute audacity 
right? They'll just, as soon as they learn how to walk, they're in every room. They're, you know, they're just discovering everything, right? There's no such thing as dangerous for many of them. And, you know, we unfortunately lose, of course, from a safety standpoint, we want to refine that audacity. But unfortunately, so many of us lose it altogether, right? We believe the idea that we're less than. And then that idea that we're less than encourages us to show up as less than who we are capable of being, right? So I think that my calling in life is, again, not to introduce anything new necessarily, but remind people, you know, you are God's gift to the world. It's your job to show up as such, right? You know, there's there's a, a, a quote from a book. Uh, this is by Marianne Williamson. Uh, it's called A Return to Love. It's the book. Amazing book. I recommend it. Recommend it where she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, yeah. that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, you know, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. I'm going to stop there because there's, there's more to it, but I love the book. Yeah. <laughs> so I rec again, I recommend everyone to check it out. And yes. what I take away from it is that, you know, that, that fear that what if we could be powerful in measure? What does that even look like? How am I supposed to pull that off? Mm -hmm. Right. And we shrink yeah. in the spaces that we have more than enough room to show up at least for ourselves, let alone for others, right? So yeah. I, I think what my mission is with Kofi Speaks and even with my consulting firm, Kofi Enterprises, is to kind of imbue people with that confidence, with that strategy, with that understanding that, again, you are more than a conqueror. So as long as you, you fill in those different gaps, you can change mm -hmm. what you need to change in this world. Right. You have your mission, yeah. you have your assignment. I have mine. We don't necessarily know what it is, but you have the ability yes. to pull it off. So that's what I think uh, encourages me in times like this. Yeah. And when did, when did you like, I don't want to say like discover this skill, but discover this like part of you. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, that movie, I want to say it's called soul that came out recently. Right where yeah it's about like the piano player and he goes into like this mode where he's not necessarily conscious of it but he's just kind of in that zone he's doing his thing right and i would find that in moments and this is you know from high school and college plus where you know i'm just kind of communicating the observations that i've noticed right and in the process mm -hmm. of talking to people I would get into these windows where someone's like, well, dang, I never thought about it like that. Right. And it's like, huh? Yeah. Okay. No doubt. Maybe it's just, you know, I, I know how to keep good conversation, I guess. Right. And, uh, after several iterations of that, uh, I realized it's like, Hey, maybe this is a unique value add that I can bring to the world. Not mm -hmm. saying that there aren't other people that speak well, that can encourage others or that can introduce strategy to people because i, I want to stress that that's a very critical component as well 
But mm-hmm. whatever combination that I have going on, I guess, you know, <laughs> it it encourages people to, to be confident in self, to implement, you know, kind of the most efficient path forward as well. So yeah. I would say that that, that was realized um, informally in college. And I started Kofi Enterprises about a year and a half ago now where, you know, I'm doing it anyway, right? So if there's a space yeah. where I can, you know, really lean into that passion that I have of helping others while being able to develop, you know, business-wise in that experience, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm telling you, like, yeah. I, as we're sitting here speaking, I have to realize, like, girl, draw yourself into, like, interview because mm. I think... Honestly, even for myself, just sitting here, it's like, wow, like, I'm thinking about my life, like, yeah, Judea, like, you can do that, like, oh my gosh, you are doing that, like, okay, like, okay, Judea, like, Judea, you need, like, work on yourself and get it, because it's there, so, like, even as, like, we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about my life, and I'm reflecting, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, like, He's speaking facts. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing different. He's speaking like straight facts, you know. So now I appreciate that. And then you know, I'm pretty sure as anybody who's listening to this interview, they're gonna be like, wow, like they're probably for themselves. They're gonna start thinking about their lives too. And you know, it's like, wow, like it's actually there. Like mm-hmm. I can actually do it. You know, I don't have to be afraid of who like my best self can really be. I can really show up mm-hmm. as who I I want to be. So you're doing phenomenal. Oh you know with that yeah um so let us know about your oh yeah okay oh no so you can go well i i guess i was just gonna say that i think the challenge for a lot of us is um you know especially you know it's a very unhealed space that we exist in you know most of us have whatever challenges that we're, we're dealing with and we've been i won't say brainwashed right but we've been convinced to this idea of like the outside world having all of the power over us Mm -hmm. and you know the environments that we grow up in the circumstances that we're exposed to the levels of privilege that we have or thereof um, play a Mm -hmm. huge factor in the life that we live yeah that is not the only side of it right because what what that stuff does in some cases, it can disenfranchise us, but in other situations, it's more of a persuasive thing that it does, where it convinces us that we're less capable, or it convinces us to mm-hmm. kind of give our power away to either other people, uh, other experiences, our traumas, our challenges, whatever else. And yeah. we feel so small in those moments that we shrink and just let, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, the danger of that is you can become, you know, traumatized, you can become bitter, you can kind of, you know, just give up, whether you know that you gave up or not, you know, that's kind of how you show up in the world until, you know, there's a reminder, beloved, that, that experience that you're in, you know, the, the trap part, that lock fell off a couple years ago. You still in that cage, you know, push the door open, walk out, right? Choose freedom. And I think for many of us, even being able to have that moment um, or moments in life 
where it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to choose the better version of me. Right? It's not yeah. really stressed. This is not meant to be an easy process. This is not, hey, I made a decision and then you know, life is perfect after. It's going to be a struggle forward, but at least it's forward. Right? It's not us, you know, running in a hamster wheel. It's not us, you know, taking inventory of life and then just being defeated about what didn't happen or who did us wrong and that kind of stuff. We're at least yeah. able to take inventory of our circumstance and say, I have no control over what happens external to me, but me yeah. showed up the way I was supposed to. And I can at least right. I had on that. You know, but I'm gonna get off my soapbox. You know, no, you're good, you're good. <laughs> um, and let us know a little bit about your second business that you have. So I also have a startup. It's called Challenge Cards. It's a greeting card platform where we recommend, remind, and automatically mail cards out to people on others' behalfs. So you know, for myself, for example, I'm someone that unfortunately I forget major holidays, birthdays, all that stuff, you know, blame it on my head and not my heart, of course, <laughs> yeah. you know, having something that just kind of makes it easy for, or easier for people to show that they care is kind of the vision that Charlotte Cards was founded upon. So it was myself and another friend, very close friend that uh, we started this you know, about a year and a half ago, just about two. And it's been an exciting experience so far. You know, we had a soft launch this past fall uh, that went very well. And we're actually in the development process, looking to build up the business to have our official launch later this year. So it's been uh, really amazing so far. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm very forgetful. Like even with birthdays, just sending simple texts. You know, mm -hmm. even though Facebook reminds us, mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot happy belated birthday. Mm -hmm. So no, I think that's nice to have. Thank you. Because it's like, oh my gosh, you remembered, and you're just like, yes, I, I did, I did remember. You know, I actually did. You know, because the know, thing is, so. when you think about it, it's not a question of you know you don't care about people or you don't rock with them. It's literally, hey, a lot of us. We have our own process to bear. We have a lot going on, so it's easy to forget. But, you know, I think Charlotte Cards, uh, the opportunity that we have for people is to kind of fill that gap, right? You get to show people that you care. Yeah. You get to, you know, create memories with them, uh, you know, without having to be the memory expert, right? So uh, it's been a, exactly. a really good Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yes. And then with everything that you're doing, you know, with your work and business, like how do you practice self-care? I know you say you like taking naps, yeah. <laughs> but what other things do you do to like, you know, just keep yourself like centered? Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, I try to tell people that I'm an introvert. Uh, unfortunately, they don't believe me. Okay? I don't know why. I don't believe you. I saw your Instagram. You always dancing and having fun. I don't believe that either. <laughs> the most introverted ever, you know? But, um, so yeah, so I, I try to essentially just have different spaces um, to, you know, just try new things to challenge myself, right? So when I, when I first graduated, I actually lived in Philly for about two and a half years. And while I was out there, I was like, you know what? I keep seeing these, you know, these dancers on Instagram and stuff like that. I'm going to go to one of these dance classes. Like it's like an Afrobeat class. And the first one I, I went to, I did horrible, right? I'm like, oh, no. Nah. Because, again, in college, you know, when them parties happen, the little circle form is an African song. It's like 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm there, right? I'm, I'm on point. So coming into this class where this is, you know, these are like professionals. These, these are people that, hey, they, they dance for a living. Like this is their job, right? So I'm like, oh, dang, this was, this was crazy. So that, that first video that I have is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's in the vault. It's never coming out, right? But I wanted to challenge myself as like, hey, you know, I'm going to keep going to these classes, get more exposure, that kind of stuff. And, you know, eventually I improved. Again, this is not, you know, I'm not trying to make this a job. I'm not necessarily trying to, mm-hmm. to make something of it, quote unquote. But it's just a fun experience that I really enjoy, uh, you know, great version of self-expression, too. Uh, in addition to yeah. that, uh, I also cook. So, you know, I'm a huge foodie, love food, very delicious, right? And, you know, I, same thing, I always like to kind of try out new experiences. So I would just, you know, I would look up different recipes or see something on YouTube. And it's like, you know what, I'm going to try to make this. Or if I go to a restaurant and have the food there, it's like, wow, this is really good. I feel like I could have a Mm -hmm. cheaper version at home, you know? So let me try to make this in the crib, right? So I think one of the favorite dishes so far that I've made I made uh, ramen, so, and it was phenomenal. You know, I, I, it's like five different layers that you're supposed to add and, you know, all this other stuff, mm-hmm. a specific type of noodle, X, Y, Z. And, you know, while it was challenging, on the other side of that bowl, I was like, listen, this is, this is fire, right? And so, yeah, so, yeah. Just, again, just trying different recipes or if it's something I've never made before, if it's a culture I'm not familiar with, just do some research on it, you know, botch a couple times. Like I made bow buns mm-hmm. before, horrible, right? Okay. Or at least the first time I made it. And then eventually <laughs> I improved. I made sushi before, janky, terrible looking, right? It tasted great, but the, you know, I guess I didn't have a sharp enough knife. But again, mm-hmm. having these different experiences, um, it's, it's just fun from a pastime standpoint, right? And interesting enough, makes for great conversation, right? So I would say that's also Mm -hmm. maybe not just conversation for conversation's sake, but I really enjoy connecting with other people. You know, I love the opportunity to learn about other people's stories of how they got to where they got to, you know, what's something that they're passionate about. You know, usually my goal in conversation is to get someone to that point where their eyes light up they just start chatting mm-hmm. for 30 minutes about something, right? It could be something yeah. I know nothing about, but just getting people to that point where it's like they're really able to dig deep into something they're passionate about. Uh, mm-hmm. One, because, you know, it's great to kind of learn about the things that people care about, but also just to kind of see that moment for others, whereas like they're able to, to feel heard, they're able to communicate, you know, their vision or bigger picture in life you know, beyond yeah. and money and all that type of stuff. It's like, Hey, what's, what's a subject that you just really care about? You know, like some people travel. If you just say the word travel, they just start mm-hmm. going off. Oh, I went to this place. And that place. <laughs> you know? So I, I think I really, yeah. those kind of moments as well. And I would say there's a couple other stuff, but maybe the, the last thing would be reading. So mm-hmm. on a, a book challenge right now, I uh, just wrapped up my 16th book for the month, uh, for the year. 
So oh, wow. Uh, the game plan was 24 for the year, but at least at, at this pace, maybe I could uh, I could aim for 50. We'll see. No promises. Ooh, I'm like you saying you saying 16. I'm like here. I'm like probably still on book one, two. <laughs> I'll be in like between two books at the same time because one book got boring, so let me pick up another book and then I try to come back. Mm-hmm. No, like that's good and. So to um, almost like to wrap this up, what is one piece of advice you have gotten that has like stuck with you like to this day? I would say probably one of the biggest pieces of advice, you know, back into the point of strategy is Mm -hmm. your process will very often define your trajectory, right? As in, you know, again, I think regardless of what role you're in in life, hard work is a critical step. Right. But, you know, what process are you using to kind of get to where you want to get to? Have you put thought to where you want to get to? You know, that's part of your process. Have you looked at how you improve your efficiency in things? Are there, you know, channels that you could be tapping into to get you to that point? Mm -hmm. Are there people you could be connecting with that could give you information that you don't have to make you, you know, improve your process as well? So I would say yeah. you know, really putting a priority into mastering your process, not saying you have to imitate it from others, but find out what your yeah. process is, you know, keep it dynamic. And from there, you know, the world's your oyster. Got you. And then, so one last question before I ask for your advice, just to anybody okay. um, who's about to graduate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. You know, I'm Caribbean, right? And, you know, I'm first gen mm-hmm. as well, first, gener- first generation American, yeah. you know, first gen, you know, college student. What was your parents' reaction when they when you told them that you wanted to be in a fraternity? Oh, they thought I was joining a cult. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, was, it was hilarious. And I had to explain to them. So I'm a member of the National Society of Black Engineers. So when I presented it to them, I was like, oh, it's pretty much like Nesby. And then I spoke about Nesby for like 40 minutes to get them to agree and sign whatever paperwork and stuff. And, you know, that's the only reason why they were slightly with it. Beyond that is always a cult. But I would say what kind of made the difference for my parents was every Thanksgiving and Christmas in New York City, uh, there's an uh, initiative Project Homeless that happens in, uh, it's like around uh, uh, Times Square, like that that area, where, you know, several alphas will come out, you know, feed people, get donations for clothes and non-perishables and stuff. And my dad, every Thanksgiving morning, every Christmas morning, he's driving me out there to do that service. And this is part of, you know, my work with alpha. So he's seeing that and it's like, oh, I mean, I guess it's not a cult. This, you know, this is not too bad. So it, it, it wasn't really until several years of that plus kind of other initiatives that he saw me doing, the mentoring, mm-hmm. community service, where he's like, okay, maybe it's not a cult. So <laughs> I hope that answers your question. No, it did. Because, okay. like, I, like I said, from a Korean background and I know a lot of African backgrounds, it's just like, when you tell your parents you want to do these things and you, and you tell them how much money it is, they were like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, 
like what are you doing they start questioning you and then you feel like you're not giving the right answers mm-hmm. it's like it's so simple like and then it's like for your family members they ask you i'm like especially the older family members they just start talking about it so i always wanted to know somebody else's perspective and how like their family thought about it as well so yeah it's it's definitely, I told my cousins, like, I, I guess I said, because I'm first gen, now my younger cousins, they don't have to go through those same questions yeah. and the process of, <laughs> you know, people, like, looking at you, like, what you gonna do? Like, mm-hmm. my mother be like, your blue thing, and I'm like, you little, nah. you got a little dance you be doing, you know? <laughs> the little dance, she's like, she's like, do you need this here? I'm like, yes, I do, like, it's coming with me. She's mm-hmm. like, do you need it? I'm like, yes, like, <laughs> let me take my stuff with me. There you go. <laughs> Yes. And then um, I guess to end this with your piece of advice, what is something you would tell anyone right now um, who is about to be who's uh, who, um, a senior who's about to graduate college? Any seniors that are about to graduate, I would challenge you to connect with 10 to 20 people that are across the pipeline of the industry that you're looking at. Get a conversation with them for 20 minutes. You can Google questions to ask them. Just get Mm -hmm. the time to do that. It will completely change your understanding of what life after college looks like and especially what it's okay to do at that point. You know, I think we had mentioned the idea of people being scared of failure and that's huge. Like graduating could very well be a cliff for people. So if you have the right insight, it's game changing in how you navigate it. So that would be my advice. Right. Okay. Well, Wilson, I want to thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your wisdom. Um, BBK family, you know, we drop a episode every Monday. So you'll be able to see Wilson on our Instagram. We're going to have his Instagram and all his information. So you can connect with him on one-on-one or just follow or, you know, support his businesses. Um, and then until then I'll see y'all next Monday. Bye. Peace out.